January's coming, and that's when we'll make those resolutions to do something to, to lose weight and try to make the new year better and to do things differently. That's what the new year's about. But as we come to this day, we're closing out a year, and there's a lot of things that we could talk about today. Today we've talked, uh, uh, sang about Christmas, we've sang about Christ, we've sung about the things of Him coming and the angels that we've heard on high. And we will not get off track from talking about Jesus, especially here. But today I believe God has a message for us and to encourage us because as we look around us, we have all had something in common over the last several months and that we have been dealing with can we just all say it, a mess? It's been a mess this year. But I don't want us to lose sight of what is really important by just looking at the mess. Today I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. The Lord laid this message on my heart uh, about three weeks ago. And I tried to argue with God and tell him, oh, that's, that's not a good sermon for today. I, Lord, I should save that for next Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the year. Let me do it then. Nope. So I'd go back to it. And I'd try to think of another good Christmas uh, message. I'd go, Lord, that boy, that'd be a good one on the 20th. No, no. He kept leading me to this chapter. So I am absolutely convinced, as Troy was the day that he preached, and he said it's absolutely convinced that it was from the Lord. This passage, this message today is for someone. Hopefully it will bring hope to you. Maybe you can share it with someone to bring hope to them. But today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. Tell you a little bit of what's going on in Isaiah since we haven't been, been in this book. In Isaiah, we, we have a king named Uzziah. Uzziah was king for 52 years, and for part of that time, he was a very prosperous king. He did a lot of great things. He did a lot of wonderful things for the nation. He led them in expansion. He led them in, in building defenses. Their economy was going well. But then toward the end of his life, he got too full of himself, thought he was better than everyone, made a major mistake in the temple, got leprosy, and died. Now, as we look at the situation, everything on the surface would look pretty good, except for when the king died and he had leprosy, things started going south a little bit. But overall, you know, from the outside, you would say, well, there's a lot going on, but the nation's doing pretty good, except spiritually. The nation was a mess spiritually. So that's where we're going to focus today because in the mess that we've been enduring, in the mess that we've been dealing with, where are we spiritually? What are some truths that can give us hope today? What are some things that will give us the ability to get up tomorrow and take another step and look at 2021 and say, bring it on, baby, I'm ready. I don't know about you, but uh, I remember in January of 2020, I'm, I, I was going, man, it's 2020. 2020 vision, baby. 2020 is going to be the year. It's just a good number. Now we look at 2020, and we want to skip it. If we were to, to look at the Back to the Future saga, uh, the one thing the professor would, would tell McFly is, don't put it on 2020. Don't go there. Any other year is fine. Just don't go to 2020. We all feel that way. But I hope today when we finish 
It doesn't matter whether it's 2020, 2021, whether it's 2030, whatever the year is, you're going to have hope regardless of what happens in the White House, in your house, in the house down the street, in our communities, in our government, in the CDC with the coronavirus. I want you to walk away today experiencing God and having hope that transcends all of that. So today we're getting into Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the most popular prophets. He is quoted more times in the Old Testament than others. He's quoted over 50 times in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, the very first Old Testament quote you read in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, in chapter 1, comes from, let me just give you a pop quiz, guess, Isaiah, absolutely right. It comes from Isaiah. Then just right over, if you look to the right in chapter 7, you're going to find the announcement that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah is an important prophet. And at this point, it's believed he's probably about 20 years old. He's young. He is young, but yet he feels a calling on his life. He may not be exactly sure what to do, but he has found himself living in a world where there's stuff that goes on and he's kind of blended in a little bit, but yet he's been called to be a prophet. This is a powerful book, a great book, and God communicates to Isaiah and what he can understand so that he can communicate to us what he experienced with God. So today, I want you to know that we are not here in this place, and I'm not standing here to preach this word simply because we're having church today. I'm doing it because I want you, I want me to experience God on a whole new level. Isaiah found himself in a particular year. I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. And you bear with me today. I'm not exactly sure how long this message is going to be because the Lord's laid some stuff on my heart. And, and, and it may be a while, but we're going to walk through this scripture because I believe that's the only way to look at God's word. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, In the year of King Uzziah's death. One of the things that's very interesting here is it doesn't say after Uzziah died. It doesn't say after the king died or before the king died. It just says in the year of Uzziah's death, the king. So sometimes during the year, we don't know where Isaiah was at. We don't know what he was doing exactly. But in the year that the king Uzziah died. Let me put that in... Our terms. In the year the pandemic hit, in the year that there were riots in our streets, in the year that the election was the biggest mess we had ever seen in our life, in the year when there were masks being worn by everyone, in the year when our pews were empty for weeks because churches were closed, in the year that the coronavirus would hit, we can understand where this was at. Because when the king died, he was the leader. They, he was the one they looked to. He was their security because he was setting up stuff. He was important. So in the year that King Uzziah died, I don't know about you or I, but I can relate. In the year of 2020, I want us to look and see what Isaiah 
what it follows up with. Make sure you've got your word because I want you to be able to take these things with you today and I want you to be able to remember them in the future, share them with someone. There's going to be four important things, but I want us to, you to be looking in the word of God so you can see this. Chapter 6, verse 1, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting on a throne. I want us to really look at truths that are for any year. Any year that you want to put, there are some truths we can find in this scripture. And it begins here in verse 1. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and exalted, high and lifted up, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, in the year that the king died and things were a mess, Isaiah looked and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on His throne. His throne was not dependent upon the king being on His throne. Listen, God is still on the throne, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter how, much, how many cases we have of the coronavirus, whether they've got a virus, whether it works or whether it doesn't. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter about the transfer of power. God is still on the throne. It doesn't matter what is going on economically in this country or in your world. God is still on the throne. This throne is a position of authority. When he looks and sees this, Isaiah understood a throne meant authority. Throne meant in charge. The one that would be declared the king. In the year the king died, Isaiah looked and he saw the real king sitting on the throne. Let me tell you, you may have your safety and security built in all kinds of things in your life, and you may feel like your world's upside down, but can I tell you, until your security is found in the throne of God itself, you'll never find security in this world. God is our security. His position of sitting on the throne was one of authority, and it was one of working. And it's not dependent upon circumstances or position or what is happening around us. God is on the throne regardless of what's going on. Man, that rhyme, that sounded good, didn't it, Lenora? I, I think I'm on. God is still on the throne no matter what's going on. We need to be reminded of this. His position is not tied to our comfort. Just simply because things aren't like the way we would want them, just because we don't like something, doesn't mean God's gone, well, I'm not in control anymore. Those big dummies are in control. God is still in control regardless of what is happening around us. He is in control no matter what the doctor says, no matter who is, is voicing their opinion or what they're saying on your Facebook page. Let me tell you something. Stop being threatened by what people say about something that's different from your opinion and let's declare God still being on the throne. That's what's going to change lives and change people, not our political positions. The truth of Christ and God being on the throne will make the difference. Our appraisal of good and bad, right and wrong, does not place God on the throne any more than He is right now. God is on the throne. There's a great, great quote 
that I want you to see and maybe write down. J.I. Packer said this. He said, when the Bible speaks of God, we're going to put it up so you can see it. When the Bible speaks of God as being on high, it is not that God is far distance from us in space, but that He is far above us in greatness. God being on the throne does not speak to the space and the distance between us and Him. It's simply that He is so great and awesome and mighty than we are. Then what is happening around us? God is still on the throne. Somebody say it with me. God is still on the throne. Say it like you believe it. God is still on the throne. I've heard a lot of people saying that lately. So let's dive into that a little bit more so we can figure it out. Because with Him still on the throne, let's look at verse verse 2. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings. With two, He covered His face. And with two, He covered His feet. And with two, He flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Not only do we know God is on the throne, but let me tell you something else that's not changed in all that's going on in our lives. That God is still holy. God is still holy. Which means His character has not changed. His nature has not changed. Just simply because we've had months of the coronavirus and pandemic and riots in the street does not mean that God has changed who He is. We cannot measure His character and His quality by the, can I just throw it out there, the dumbness of people. People are going to make mistakes. But we cannot measure God based on what they do or do not do. God's character is independent of our feelings, our emotions, and our actions. God is God regardless of what's going on. He is still on the throne and He is still holy. A.W. Tozer said, Holy is the, the way God is. To be holy, He does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. He is absolutely holy with an infinite, incomprehensible fullness of purity that is incapable of being anything other than it is. And that is holy. God is holy. Which means He's holy in His decisions, in His judgments, All that He does is holy. It'd be one thing to have a God on a throne that's not holy, but we have a God that's still on the throne that's still holy, just as He was millennial ago. We need to be reminded of that because that's where our hope can come from. During a time of spiritual decay, it was virtually... It was virtually important that Isaiah see what he saw. The spiritual decay going on around him was so rampant. But then when he looked, he saw a truth that transcended what was going on. He saw a holy, holy God. He was reminded. And there were these seraphim. A seraph is singular. Seraphim is plural. There were multiple of them with these wings. With two, they covered their face. Two, they covered their feet. And two, they flew. 
And they were crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy. The word holy there, the reason it's repeated three times is to give emphasis, to let us know of this quality, this character, this nature of God that transcends all other things. To say that it is eternal, it's unchanging. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Somebody say holy with me this morning. Come on, say holy with me. Say holy one more time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You know, I think about the mess that we're in. And it will bring you down. It will make you depressed. It will make you not want to get out of your house. It will make you thankful that you have to wear a mask so people can't, don't have to see the frown on your face. Thankful that you have to stay at home so you don't have to interact with, with the crazies in this world. But let me tell you, in the midst of all that, God is still holy, holy, holy. And let that put a smile on your face. Let that put a bounce in your step. Let that be the thing that helps you look someone in the eye. Let that be the thing that gives you hope. You know, it's great that they have a vaccine out right now. It's a wonderful thing. But let me tell you something. My hope is not in no vaccine. My hope is in the vaccine that was given on the cross of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when He died and He shed His blood so that I could have His blood so that I can be inoculated to the sin in my life. That's where we have to have our hope today. See, it's not found in the convenience of this world, but in the pages of of the word, you you may be asking, well, 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 Pastor, how can we encounter this holy God since we're sinful people? How do I get to a point where you've talked about encountering God all day during the service and right now? How do I encounter God? Well, encountering God cannot happen apart from His Word. His Word is vitally important in our life. We must discipline ourselves to see things and see God and see the world through the lens of the Bible, of the Scriptures. Not only that, we encounter God through prayer. Through prayer. When we enter into that state of prayer, we're not entering into a room so that everybody can hear us talk. We're entering into a place where God is listening. We are in His presence, His holy presence, where He is sitting on His throne and He is ruling over all things. We get it through the Word, we get it through prayer, and we get it through worship. The experience of worship is that essence of acknowledging God is who He is. See, this was a moment of worship. Isaiah is standing there and finds himself in the middle of a worship service. He finds himself looking around going, wow, what is going on? He's looking and seeing these seraphim flying and crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord God Almighty. Where are we? Are we more called up in what we see on the news than what we read in the Word? Are we more caught up on the headlines we may find on Facebook or, or, or on Instagram or maybe our notifications on our phone than, than the notification in the Word that He is the light of the world? The Word and prayer and worship is vital for our life to encounter a holy God. Isaiah warns us in chapter 5, actually, 
of what will happen when you remove those things from your life. If you want to flip that way, if you've got your Bible open, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. I know probably some of you have heard this. Some of you, this might be new to you. But he gives this warning, Isaiah does, and he begins with woe. In other words, beware, look out, be cautious. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Isaiah is issuing a warning here because the people had just disregarded the spiritual parts and just pursued their own things and began to see themselves as God. Maybe it's, it's not a case where they're walking around saying, worship me, but they were worshiping themselves of their own opinions, their own thoughts, their own ideas. <coughs> so this morning... I want us to cling to the idea that God is still on the throne and God is holy. Third thing this morning. We're going to find it in the next set of scriptures. Verses 4 and 5. Once we get a picture of God and who He is, here's the result. Verse 4. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out, <clears throat> while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we encounter the holy and living God, we are reminded that we are messed up. We are messed up. Ladies and gentlemen, we are filled with flaws. None of us are perfect. This is where you can look at your spouse and elbow them or give them a nod. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We have issues. Isaiah, once he saw God sitting on his throne, and when he saw the holiness of God, he then had a reflection of who he was. And he cried out, Woe is me, for I am ruined. I am a sinner. I am a man of unclean lips. A man of unclean lips because he, he said he lives among a, a people of unclean lips. Let's break that down. He had a bad mouth. Maybe his unclean lips were words that he would say. Maybe it was cursing. Maybe it was gossip. Maybe it was the way he talked down to people or to people. Whatever it was, I can tell you this. He knew encountering God that his lips were unclean. He knew that he had sinned. Today, I want to translate that just a little bit so that we can understand. When you encounter God, you may discover and cry out, I have unclean eyes. I have unclean lips. I have unclean ears. I have unclean hands. Because you will begin to see holiness as it is intended to be and sin as it truly is in your life. Sin 
is still sin even if it's justified by the government or your friends that you hang around with. Sin is still sin. As we look here, we see Isaiah realizes the people were not holy and Isaiah was not holy. And he had a problem with his lips. It's only when we draw close to God will our sin be dealt with and it be okay. Because it does, just doesn't end that he realizes he, he's messed up and that he's, he's caused some problems. But, verses 6 and 7, then one of the seraphim. Now, I want you to notice that all Isaiah did was he acknowledged that he was a sinner. He just acknowledged that he, he was messed up. He didn't say, God, do something about it. He didn't put together a, a three-step plan. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my phone and I'm going to leave it over there. Here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. When they start telling these jokes, I'm going to turn it on. Here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Isaiah did not put together a plan to correct himself. Here's how the difference was made. He acknowledged his sinfulness. Realized who he was, and then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. We are still in need, ladies and gentlemen. Regardless of the advancements in technology or the advancements in thinking or the advancements in, in our medical field, no matter what the, the advancements are in this world, we are still in need of a Savior to save us from our sins. We are still in need. God's holiness alone reveals the reality of the need and God's holiness alone can supply what is needed. God desires we be holy, but we can't be holy on our own. That is why God said, let me come down there. Let me send my son. Let, me, let him die on the cross. Let me die on the cross and take your place so that that sin that's rampant in your life can be dealt with. We have a need that can only be met by one. That is Jesus. It can't be met through Bible studies. It can't be met through church. It can only be met through Jesus Himself. We as a society have not transcended to such greatness that we no longer have a need for Christ. We have transcended to such greatness that it has brought a rampant run of sin. That's made what's dark to be called light and what's light to be called dark. To what, what is sweet to be called bitter and what is bitter to be called sweet. Until we are willing to no longer compromise the Word of God, prayers to God, and the worship of God, only then will we find revival, will we find the, the essence of newness for our lives. God is still on the throne. God is still holy. 
we are still messed up and we are still in need. And regardless of what has happened in 2020, and let me tell you, regardless of what happens in 2021, let there be, instead of a COVID-19, let there be a COVID-20. And let me tell you something. Here's some truths that I'm going to declare right now. God's still going to be on the throne. God is still going to be holy. You and I are still going to be messed up. And we're still going to have a need in our life of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to guide us and to give us hope. Those are truths you can hold on to no matter what year you're in, no matter what goes on in your life. Let me tell you, here's the hope for any year. Let's boil it down to this. Regardless of what goes on, God and God alone is still over all things. He is still sovereign and over all things. He and He alone. God is still God even though there's a pandemic. God is still God because there's not as many people in the pews. He's still God. God is still God when there's riots in the streets and when there's bombs going off in cities. God is still over all things. When we're quarantined in our homes, God is still God. When we are wearing masks and socially distancing, doing Christmas different, God is still God in over all things. God is still over, over all things and He is still on His throne today, ladies and gentlemen. And the Word of God is spread digitally more than ever in the midst of all of this mess. God's Word and, and God's impact is going out to more people. But my heart's cry is people don't get comfortable with being at home, watching church. I want to see people back here being church. And being together. And worshiping God together as a family of God. I know how it pains me to know that we have, we have not got to go see my wife's mom and dad. And it breaks our heart. Let me tell you, you not being together with God's family should break your heart. There are people anxiously waiting to be able to come back through the doors, and then there are some people who just really don't care anymore. But it doesn't change the fact that God is still God, He is still holy, and He's still over all things. And the only way for people to encounter God is for them to be in prayer, to be in the Word, and to be worshiping. That's where we can encounter God. But here's the problem. I'm going to be real and honest just for a moment. Here's the problem. We want God to be like we want Him to be. We want our God sitting on the throne. We want a Creator who loves good and ignores sin. We want a God who will judge and punish the evil but give grace to my own wrongdoings. We want a God who is okay with me living my life the way I want to live it, but available to answer any prayer at any moment in an instant. We want a God on a throne that looks like us, talks like us, believes like the things we believe, and makes me feel good. We want a God on a throne that abolishes all evil in the world except for the evil I'm comfortable with doing in my life. We want a God on a throne 
That, being, that can be called by any name under any religion just so that we can all just be friends and get along. We want a God that will make us comfortable and not make us holy. That, my friend, is idolatry, evil worship. We must worship the one true, holy, and living God that doesn't look like us, that doesn't talk like us, that doesn't believe like us, that sees things as wrong and things as right, as black and as white, and is not measured by the culture or the opinions or the standards or whether somebody thinks this is really the Word of God or not. It doesn't change the fact of who He is. So we must get back, ladies and gentlemen, to the place where God is God and we are not and get off of our throne and let him sit there until we do that we will never see a healing in this country we'll never see a healing in our homes we'll never see a healing in our schools we'll never see the young men and women being called out to do God's work as long as we sit idly by comfortable with the gods that we create and say yeah I worship God but don't let him get all up in my business that's idol worship it's not God worship. Charles Spurgeon said something that was very pointed, and it's a little long, so bear with me. It, but it is so good. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon wrote decades and decades and decades ago. Men will allow God to be everywhere but on His throne. They will allow Him to be in His workshop to fashion words and make stars. They will allow him to be in his position as giver to dispense his gifts and bestow his blessings. They will allow him to sustain the earth and uphold the pillars or light the lamps of heaven or rule the ways of the everlasting ocean. But when God ascends his throne, his creatures will gnash their teeth. When we proclaim an enthroned God and His right to do as He wills with His own without consulting them, that's when men turn a deaf ear. For God on His throne is not the God they love. They love Him anywhere better than they do when He sits with His scepter in His hand and His crown on His head. True and pointed words that resonate even today and this is not simply just true of those who don't go to church who don't follow Christ who have turned their back on religion or faith or however you want to put it but it is true of those who proclaim they are Christian we want a God that's not the God of the Bible but I declare to you today, woe unto you who do not declare God of the Scriptures to be the God in heaven sitting on His throne. For woe unto you, God will have to get your attention. He will shake your world. We care not to have God on His throne because it means that we'll have to get off of our throne. Because we like to sit on the throne and declare we are in charge. It's my life. Let me live it as I want. But today, let today be the day that 2020 has a new meaning. 
Let it be the year that God is sitting on the throne in your life. No longer your perceptions, your ideas, your thoughts, but His. Let this day be the day that you turn your mind and your heart so that it is in tune with His and not the culture. Let this be the time that when you look and you see, you don't see your God on the throne, but you see the God on the throne, high and exalted and lifted up. And declare that He is holy, holy, holy. And that we, myself, are messed up and need Jesus. What are we to do? Well, I believe the first thing we have to do is be very intentional and look for God. See, that's a key word in Isaiah chapter 6 here. I don't want you to miss this. Maybe you want to circle it. I did in, in my Bible. I circled it and underlined it. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw. If Isaiah had never seen what he saw, he never would have become what he became. This was critical in his life. To see and understand. He looked and he saw God as who he is. When overwhelmed by what has gone on and what is going on around you, remind yourself. Look and see that God is still on His throne and He is still holy. We are still messed up and we are still in need of Jesus Christ. Let everything else become secondary to those main primary things because they're unchanging. Second thing is, allow Christ to purify me. Allow Christ to do the work of purification. Just as Isaiah was standing there, he did not fix himself, but God and that seraphim took that coal from the altar of God, brought it and put it on his lips and cleansed it. Isaiah didn't do that himself. He didn't take a special magic mouthwash. God was the one that did the changing of his mouth, that changed his head, his heart, and his actions and his words. He had to have a pure mouth before he could go to declare the pure word of God. And God did that. So we need to be looking for God and we need to let Christ do the purifying in our life. And when we do that, you know what's going to happen? We're going to be in a position for God to do something great. And we need to get involved in God's work. That's what Isaiah did here after this took, took place. In verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah didn't say, Well, let me pray about it, Lord. I, I need to go back and consult and give it some thinking and some thought and work through some issues and maybe get things right in my house and, 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 and see if I've got enough time. You know, I'm really busy this time of the year, Lord. I, I just don't know if I can. In 2021, who knows? I, you know, it's, it's going to be a mess then too. So when God gets a hold of your heart, you should respond immediately. For Isaiah said, here I am, send me. I will go. And step out. Doesn't matter whether you know how. Step out. Do it. Let me tell you a beautiful story. And I hope she don't mind. 
My daughter stood up here and sung this morning. She did a solo on Christmas Eve. She has been struggling with this idea that God's called her to do that. But yet, the lies in her head would tell her she's not good enough, she's not worthy, she's not going to do it right, she's not going to do it well, because she wants to do it for Him. But this morning, I declare, she said, God has said, do it. And she has said, I'll go, I'll do it. She did a beautiful job. So let me ask you this question. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Why is it that you've put all these things before serving Him? You want to know what it is? It's because you no longer see a holy God. You no longer see God on the throne. You only see your God you've created on your throne. You've allowed things to get in the way of who He truly is, and it's caused you to go, yeah, I'm just too busy. It's just too crazy. Let me tell you something. You want to get involved? Give me a call. There are people doing things that don't have to be here on Sunday morning. And they're ministering to people. There are people volunteering back in the tech booth like Miss Sandy. She's back there making sure the words come up and that all the stuff is going out like it should. We've got Buddy doing sound and I think Jana's doing lights and Jacob Hopwood's doing the video today for the online. You know, they're young and I'm including you in that, Sandy. They're back there. They're young and they're serving. we got people who are helping here hand out fruits and vegetables. We just helped a whole bunch of families at Christmas time. What a blessing that was. So if something's holding you back from serving, you need to take a real good look, not in the mirror, but at the Holy God. Don't look in the mirror because you know what you're going to see. You're going to see yourself, well, I'm doing all right. I'm okay. Don't look at yourself. Look at the Holy God and let Him reveal to you who you truly are so that you'll just say, here I am. Send me. Do, do it. Whatever you want, I'm here. Let's go. Here's your seven-day challenge. 2019 has been filled with a lot of stuff. And we could easily make a list of the mess, couldn't we? I mean, we could just we could fill up a marker board in a heartbeat up here of all, all the messy things that's going on this year. How many marker boards would we fill up of the great things God has done in our life this year? Woe unto those who see only the bad and the negative and see not God's hand working in the midst of it. So your challenge over the next seven days is to start making a list of where God's working, what God's doing. Make a list. Go all the way back to January if you want. I triple, double dog dare you to fill up a sheet of paper of where God has worked this year in the midst of tragedy and evil things happening. Make a list. And then share it with someone. Let someone know that in the middle of all this pandemic 
and destruction and evil and all the mess that's going on, God has been working. And He's done some great things. He's done great things in my life. He's done great things here at this church and this place. This morning I was encouraged when I got out of the car. My daughter said, hey, Dad, look, on top of the church. I looked and it wasn't a buzzard sitting up there. Thank the Lord. (laughs) It looked like an eagle. Miss Edith said it was a falcon. It was beautiful sitting at the very tippy top of this building, just sitting up there looking around right above the cross. And I was reminded of Isaiah. It says, He who waits upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will walk and not faint. They will not grow weary. In that moment, God did something for me in my heart. What is God doing in your life? He did something yesterday. He did something the day before. Yes, we celebrated Christmas and we were blessed with gifts. But God did something great in your life that you can hold on to and remember forever. Write it down. Even today, if God's done something, write it down. And share your list with someone. Maybe it's in conversation. Maybe. Maybe it's by social media. You throw it out there on Facebook and say, let me tell you about my God who's still on the throne and still holy. Here's what He's done. I wonder how many likes and comments you'll get. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if anybody comments or not. It will not remove the fact of what God's done in your life. We have to get our mind and our heart on the thing that really matters to have hope in 2021, and that is that God is still on the throne. God is still holy. We are still a mess, and we are still in need. Gina, please come on this morning. This morning we're going to have an invitational time of prayer and decision. Larry is going to... Maybe lead us in, in a verse or two. We're not going to drag this out like uh, Troy said. We're not going to, to try to convince you. For I believe the Holy God Himself has already been speaking to you today. At home, here in this room, if you're listening to this, God has been speaking to you in some way. So today, will you turn your eyes and heart to the God that's still on the throne, the holy God, the one that is high and lifted up, and let Him do a work in your heart, in your mind, in your life. This morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. You can try to get dressed up. You can come to church. You can read your Bible. And that will not be enough. Because we can't do it. It's only the work of Christ. So this morning, will you give your life to Jesus? Will you simply say, I'm I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying to do it myself. God, you take it. And you take over. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Maybe today... You've struggled with the idea of who you are. Maybe you've made a lot of mistakes because I'm telling you, the reason people don't come to church, they use people as an excuse as why they don't come. But the reason people don't come to church is because they're afraid of facing a holy God to reveal to them that they are in need. But God, you're a God of grace and mercy today, offering forgiveness and cleansing. 
You're not here to judge us and to cast us away, but to draw us close. So today, Father, for the one who's unsure of their relationship with you, and whether they're right with you, Lord, I pray that they will just ask you to forgive them and take over their life. Lord, for those who have called you Lord and Savior a long time, but maybe the God that they worship is not truly you. Reveal yourself to them. Let them see you holy and lifted up and on your throne so that they may respond in your grace and forgiveness. As it says in 1 Peter, I believe, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do that work in us today, Lord. Let us have hope. In Jesus' name I pray.